Hi, my name's Clive. I'm an English sailor on the east coast of the UK and kind of training myself to be a boat builder in some ways. Not a professional boat builder, but I just happened to have bought a boat that was in a really bad state. So I guess it's a hazard of the job when it comes to buying a boat like that, that you have to learn some boat building skills. So I'm on a mission to rebuild Andromeda. If you're interested in watching that, you can head over to YouTube and find SV Andromeda. But I've also created this podcast just to try and document some of the sailing trips that I've been on and the progress that I'm making on Andromeda. This time around, I recall when I was aged 23, it was the summer of 2008 and I owned a 22 foot sailing cruiser that I'd saved up for with my weekday job and uh, myself and a friend of mine, Nick, decided we were just going to point out into the open water and see how far we get. At this early hour, there was no human activity to be seen, only the distant sounds of wildlife travelling across the river store and straight into Holbrook Creek. And without any words needing to be exchanged, Nick let the forward mooring go, and I let go astern. In barely a puff of wind, Spindrift's Genoa slowly rolled out of bed, and we silently crept out of Holbrook Creek in the darkness. With daylight starting to show towards Harwich, we picked up a sturdy looking mooring boy at Rabness, and each slipped into a warm sleeping bag for a few hours. Holbrook Creek is a place where there's only two hours of tide, two hours when the boat is afloat. The rest of the day, she sits on the mud, and we'd managed to escape Holbrook Creek for the day, and that was our primary objective. What felt like 10 minutes later, I woke to the whistle of the kettle and sunlight streaming through the companionway, gently warming my face. It was around 9am and in a few moments I was past a hot cup of coffee. A glance out of my portside bunk brought Rabness into view and confirmed spindrift laying to a strong ebb tide as a southerly breeze gently rocked her in the lee of Rabness cliffs. Still in my pyjamas, I dropped the mooring warp off the bow and walked back to the cockpit to untie the roller reefing line. The wind had increased a little with the daylight, and in a swift thud, the Genoa was set and blew our bow away to Holbrook, while the tide carried us bodily eastwards. Nick lay in his bunk below, so engrossed in his book and coffee, that I don't think he even realised we were underway. A line lashed Spindrift's tiller, while I spent a few minutes untying the mainsail cover and sail ties, and sent them into the small cabin for stowing. While setting the mainsail, Spindrift rounded up, and just before losing all of her boat speed, the Genoa was sheeted hard once again and brought her bow away and back on course. We passed the oil pipes that lay floating on the south side of the river like sleeping giants, and we crossed to the northern side for a close quarters drive-by on the beacon at Irwerton Point. The order of the day was a lazy Sunday sail, and between Irwerton and Shotley, I eventually mustered up the desire to get dressed and make breakfast. The gas hob stood to attention for a boiling kettle once again, but when it comes to a toasting set piece, he's well out of his depth. I appeared to burn 16 slices of bread for every single good slice of toast, and to rub salt in the wound, this ratio was compounded by an unopened loaf of bread floating past us at Parkston. I like to think of the possibilities of how this item finds itself in the river. 
Is someone else out here having a frustrating time cooking their own breakfast? At that moment in time, a small fire broke out in the galley, fueled by yet another two slices of burnt toast. Perhaps I was responsible, instead of the stove, for not paying enough attention. As we passed Hapney Pier at Harwich and began to beat south out of the harbour, we still had a favourable tide underneath us. Just around the corner, the Walton backwaters lay to our starboard side, safely guarded at the entrance by the elusive pie-end boy. Where we were going, neither of us knew, but we just fancied a sail out to sea, and therefore, on we sailed. In a moderately light breeze and on a sunny day, there seemed to be no one else sailing on the water. The usual regular movement of ships in and out of Felixstowe was once again like clockwork, and for that reason, we stood clear of the shipping channel. Heading into nothingness, the sky was blue and the water changing from brown to blue as we sailed on. At the horizon, the two were joined by a soft haze, presenting us with a real-life watercolour painting. After a time, a dark object appeared over the bow, as far as the eye could see. Taking a hand bearing off the compass, Nick soon came to the conclusion this was the Stonebanks boy. With the course set and the tiller lashed, it was Sunday lunchtime, time for a beer and a game of cards. It didn't take long before the lonely old Stonebanks boy was passing us by. He surely doesn't see many souls out here from Holbrook Creek, so far south of the shipping channel. We would give him a second visit on the way home at least. Once again pointing for nowhere in particular, we held our course and a bit like the road signs that simply direct you to either the north or the south in the UK, we were headed to the open sea. The next boy to make itself known to us was Medusa. Far in the distance, we picked her up in the binoculars and again adjusted our course accordingly. I started to wonder if this was the furthest from home that Spindrift had been. On a chart, it doesn't seem very far out of the harbour, but on open water with no one else around, it really felt like we were sailing into nowhere. This 22-foot boat was built in Lowestoft for inland cruising, and although she's very seaworthy, I don't think many would want to take her too far out for too long. I certainly had never taken her this far from her home port. The wind picked up a little, Spindrift was sailing close-hauled quite fast, and it was surprising how quickly we found ourselves within throwing distance of our mark. I'd only seen the Medusa boy once before, and that was on a similar day trip with my dad some 15 years before, sailing a 42-foot fast Bermudan yacht called Layla. As we came past the big green Medusa boy, it clearly made the other half of Stone Bank. I thought of these two as some kind of tragic love story. Out here on their own, having a lonely existence, they make a pair of navigation marks so far apart they only just see one another. It's the makings of an advert narrative starting to go through my mind before I realise I'm starting to think about work at sea. So I put these thoughts to the back of my mind. A check on time revealed late afternoon, and it was our time to head for home. We noted our position, I dropped the helm on Spindrift to the leeward side, looked out to sea for one last time, and recalled the adventures of John, Susan, Titty and Roger, and wondered how much further we could have made it. Another adventure for another day. 
Thanks for listening. And remember, if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. To find out more and to follow the progress of Andromeda, please head over to svandromeda.co.uk.